Welcome to Hard Truths by Vertex Female Leader Series. This March, in honor of International Women's Day, we have invited a few of our accomplished female leaders and their investment managers to share inspirational stories of starting up, following their passion, and overcoming the odds. Tune in to gain valuable industry insights, practical wisdoms, and hard truths. Hi, I'm Elise Tan, and I'm your host for this episode of Hard Truth by Vertex Podcast. Today, we have a special episode because joining me is my colleague, Jessica Koh, Director of Investment as a co-host. And we have a special guest, Nelly Nomalasari, co-founder and CEO of Pintania. Hi, Nelly. Hi, Elise. I'm good. Thank you. Yes, thanks for having us and good to have you with, uh, with us, Nelly. Let me introduce Nelly first. So I mentioned Nelly is the co-founder and CEO of Pintania. So Nelly has a very interesting background and a journey leading up to becoming an entrepreneur. She brings with her 14 years of experience from reputable companies such as Boston Consulting Group and Traveloka. So let's hear her story in this episode. So Nelly, would you like to tell us more about Pintania? Yeah, sure. Um, so thanks for having me here. So I've built Pintania along with my two other co-founders. Uh, around 10 months ago, so we're still 10 months old. So Pintanya itself is a platform for mass workers in Indonesia to empower them. Uh, our visions or missions actually helping them in three parts. One is to get them employed, get them jobs. The second one actually getting them more employable. So we have currently a few upskilling classes to help them to get better jobs. Uh, and lastly, we get them access to, to better financial services as our uh, last mile visions. Uh, but what we provide today is also offering them like a side gigs opportunity so can, uh, they can get an instant um, cash or rewards while they're searching for jobs. Uh, so that's what we're doing. So it means that we are a two-sided platform. We are balancing between the job seekers, but also the employers who need um, uh, workers uh, to actually run their operations. Very interesting idea. One question I always ask for our show for International Women's Day is that who found who first? You know, how did you both get to know each other? Um, yes, yeah, so Vertex and Pintarnia. Maybe we'll start with there and then I'll explain more Nelly and, and Jessica's story. One of the co-founders, uh, Henry, actually had a long relationship with uh, with Vertex. And when we are about in incubating the idea of Pintarnia, we are not yet uh, full-time. I think at that time, we only built the visions, but not yet clear in terms of the roadmaps of what we wanted to build. Um, Henry actually was invited to pitch the story about Pintarnia. Um, we were not so sure, but was convinced by Henry. It was more like a uh, a friendly, polite conversations and introductions. So we finally <laughs> accepted the invite uh, and quite surprised with uh, many audience, uh, senior audience, actually from Vertex side. Um, and that's where I met Jessica first time um, by distant video call, grilling questions of what's the real impact I made? Like, what? why do you pick uh, this journey of like ready to live in uh, Traveloka for Pintanya? Those like my first my first interaction with, with Jessica. Uh, but then after afterwards, uh, end of last year, uh, Henry and I visited Singapore and met Jessica in person uh, and maybe like last month or earlier this month met Jessica again in Jakarta and I finally 
get to meet the real her. Um, and this is not about Fairtex, but it's about Jessica. I would say like no nonsense person, uh, but still very warm. When we had lunch <laughs> together, Jessica was the one who kind of like servicing everyone, uh, the meals and, and stuff. So I felt like it's not only the no-nonsense part, but there's some warmth uh, and casual and, and, you know, like bubbly personality out of Jessica. That's what I like about her. Yeah, that's the Jessica that I know, you know, taking care of everyone before herself. Thanks, Jessica. <laughs> <laughs> Jessica, what is your impression of uh, Nelly? You know, her reputation precedes her, that's for sure. Uh, I've heard of Nelly before I've even met her. Um, I was told that she is a, a very inspiring, inspiring role model to um, a lot of actually women in, in Indonesia because of her background, how far she, she has come um, because of her track record and how she came from middle-class family, went to school in the U.S., came back, um, played a very key role in Traveloka and then starting her own venture. So, so when I met Nelly, I, I honestly didn't know what to expect, but I was very pleasantly surprised. Um, she's extremely kind, very warm, extremely down to earth, but you know that she, she, she definitely knows what she's talking about and there's no it comes from experience. I think as a, as a VC, you know, over time, we, we are able to tell if someone's speaking from theory and if someone's speaking from practical experience that actually shine through a lot. Um, yeah. So, so, so Nelly was, was, uh, definitely a gem, one of the female founders out there that I'm super excited and, and grateful to be able to back. Oh, thank you, Jess, <laughs> for your kind <laughs> words. You're too nice also. <laughs> yeah. This is really nice to hear. Um, Nelly, how did you and your co-founder conceive this idea of Pintania? Um, yeah, so firstly, I think it's actually more the three of us get together. We share that we have the same visions. We're wanting to build something together. And when I pitched the ideas about me having a, a, a like a salon business before, and I had really a big pain points of trying to hire and keep keep hiring people. Um, and then I also shared about the struggling that all my past employees um, actually assessing loans and then kind of like try to get some advance money. Um, and that actually bringing even um, performance uh, impact uh, at the operations. I think all of those like speaking together and the pain points that the, my other co-founders are quite excited to, to also solve these problems. Uh, and that really fortified the visions of uh, of building the one-stop digital platform that how we can finally empower all these, the mass workers, uh, eventually, um, you know, servicing them financial service products, but to begin with giving them um, like, like money to actually um, living their life, which means giving them jobs or even side gig jobs. So that's, that's how we, we came around. Um, but of course, throughout the, the journey, we realized that we keep looking into what's the more brilliant uh, idea or path in servicing this segment. That's, that's something that it's more like the, the glue between the, the three of us, uh, I think, by seeing the, the, the space, seeing the issues and try to solve it. I think since International Women's Day and uh, a lot of working women would face similar or relatable dynamics at work. Um, I wanted to sort of double click on the topic of you being a female found CEO. How did the three of you come about um, selecting you as, as the one to lead the company? Henry and Girish, 
Um, they are heavyweights in their own right when it comes to the sectors they, they were in. Um, extremely senior operators, tech veterans, um, in fact, extremely alpha and dominant. And I think, I think most people will find it counterintuitive that they ended up picking you as the CEO, uh, which I think is something, um, that is very commendable and, uh, inspiring at the same time. How did they come about this decision? Um, and also how do, how, how does the dynamics, you know, among the three of you actually unfold? Yeah. So firstly, we are an equal co-founders. I think that's how we see ourselves. Uh, but at the beginning, when we agreed to build Pintarnia, of course, the three of us had the equivalent voice to pitch, uh, each other ideas. Um, and that's also like one of the initial idea that we picked. It's also originated by, uh, by me as well. I think that's like also bring some weight. Uh, but beyond there, after we pick what's the idea we want to hone in, then we also decided let's take a vote who's going to be like our CEOs. Um, and actually, uh, I had some name in my mind and that's actually certainly not me. And then before even I started, uh, sharing my, my thoughts, the two of them, actually said, no, it's quite obvious. It's got to be Nelly. So the two of them actually say that um, instantly. I think we kind of like right. maybe decided over like five minutes uh, uh, <laughs> about that because I think we realize, we understand the dynamics, we understand the personality, uh, and we understand that what is actually the definition of CEO is a tiebreaker. Um, and that means uh, someone who can be neutral enough to actually see what's the problem at hand. Um, not necessarily someone who actually dictates everything because we say that the equal uh, co-founders. Uh, but yeah, it's the tiebreaker, the balancing voice, the one in between, the one who can actually balance what's right, uh, emotional objectives. I also share with them, uh, if I were the CEO, that this is how I see myself and whether it's aligned with how they see or define what the CEO means. Um, and yeah, and then we discussed that and then we came to agreement. So that's like, that's quite more like that kind of uh, fluid discussions uh, among the three of us. People from the outside see us more clearly who we can be uh, rather than ourselves. And I, I'm sure both your co-founders have seen a lot in you as a leader for the company. So that's, that's really nice. So Jessica, can you tell us, you know, how do we develop the investment thesis from Pitania? Sure. Um, I'd say because the investment is extremely early, as Nelly has mentioned, um, a huge part of it is obviously um, the general direction in terms of the industry. Uh, we feel that the, the blue-collar workforce uh, sort of problem statement hasn't been really addressed. I mean, we've seen different generations, cohorts of startups trying to address the problem in the past. However, um, we haven't really seen um, a particularly strong product market fit. And when I mean product market fit, you know, it's not just how a solution addresses a problem statement. Rather, you know, it's also looking at, is there a, a business model to begin with? Is there sustainable union economics? And is there a founder fit as well? Um, I think, I think founder market fit, founder product fit, that's something that we also look out a lot, um, for. And, and so I think, I think the Pintarnia team was obviously, um, a team that was extremely strong in terms of their ability to segment, dissect complex issues, problem statement. They have an acute understanding of the market. 
um, with a lot of empathy, you know, with Nelly's story, having run a salon. But and I, I also feel that the product market fit is is something that is uh, evolving um, with the landscape. And uh, I can't think of a better team to solve this problem for Indonesia. So Jessica, is this the first HR tech at Vertex Venture Southeast Asia in India? Yeah, I believe so. I believe this is actually our first uh, HR tech. Um, I wouldn't actually call it HR tech in the quintessential sense. Um, I would say it's uh, an employment platform that has a fintech goal as its uh, end goal. And so I, I would say, you know, based on the potential for the data um, that's uh, going to be current, constantly refreshed and high quality and, and relatively complete, I, I see I see the data game actually opening up a lot more doors for, for bigger plans for monetization. And I think employment is just uh, the first step, the entry point. It's, um, it's subsidizing CAC for, for quality data. And how has been the journey been? The journey has been tough, um, I think. Uh, well, this is the hard truth, so I need to say it's uh, realistically it's tough. Um, I think painting the vision is quite easy. Painting even the missions, what that vision entails is quite easy. But finding how we really need to serve them, how to create the behavior we want, it is not easy. Um, and particularly beyond that behavior, to find what's the real economics we can get out of it, that's even harder. I think maybe that's how I summarize it, because eventually you want to build a business that is sustainable. So it needs to actually generate some kind of like healthy, good quality revenue. But in the same time, you need to make sure that uh, real users serve well, so you're not only the vitamin, but you're the painkiller. Um, I think that's that's the philosophy behind it. Uh, and it feels like whatever deficiencies we put initially, uh, I think we believe we can get there. But the path to get there, we keep always kind of like debating, um, you know, weekly basis. Uh, I think we believe it's not it's beyond finding product market fit, right? But it's also product market sales fit uh, because we need to make sure that uh, we we get the quality revenue we want. Um, like when one path see that, hey, we can make our user happy, but who's going to be paying? Like who who is actually funding this uh, happiness? Uh, and still a question mark. It means that, yeah, maybe it's a PMF, but it's not like a PMSF, you know, th- those those kind of things I think we shared. Yeah, definitely. It's uh, not easy being an entrepreneur. And I, I'm surprised you painted, you know, uh, a solemn picture. So I'm actually going to ask Jessica this question. How do you think has been the progress at Pintania so far? I'd say that any team at the early stage will obviously face their own set of challenges, uh, own share of problem statements that they are confounded with. Um, however, I, I think generally... Uh, the team has done extremely well. Um, I, I think Nelly doesn't give herself enough credit. Um, I think we're used to the fact that in the early stages of a company, the answers don't just fall in your lap. There is a lot of active listening, hard conversations that the founders have to have among each other, you know, to realize, is there even a, are we even going in the right direction? And sometimes, sometimes they realize that actually, no, there's no point going down this route if there is no fit in terms of product or, or sentiments from, from the customers. Um, and so I think the fact that the team has iterated quite a bit made, 
you know, little adjustments here and made hard decisions along the way, even within such a short amount of time, to me shows the tenacity, uh, the maturity of the team to look at the problem in the eye and acknowledge that, okay, uh, we probably went down the wrong route and, and it's all right. We are going to uh, explore other routes and, and, and become better from there. Um, because I think a lot of founders uh, underestimate product market fit as something much more simple, uh, but rather a, a more mature and, and experienced team of operators are, are obsessed can be very obsessed with, with that fit. And, and sometimes that fit take is a work in progress. I've seen series C, series D companies that are still constantly iterating, adjusting their product market fit, uh, depending on the new markets, new products that they launch. And so I think it's, uh, it's a moving target that, um, I think most important is how the team approaches it rather than necessarily getting the right answer from the get go. Yeah. I think it's really difficult to kind of um, bring in the expectations, especially if you have uh, started other companies before or you have been a superstar. And then uh, in the essence of International Women's Day, I'm just going to ask you this question um, because, you know, when I asked you how was the progress and then you mentioned, oh, it's tough. <laughs> so I'm just wondering, do you see this difference between how female founder and male founder communicate? Because the female founder, maybe in your experience, tend to be more uh, straightforward, uh, you know, in communicating. Or undersell. Yeah, undersell, right, right. What do you think, both of you? And what can we do to to change? I think as, as a female leaders, you would be like more inclined to share. Um, it feels like normal uh, to actually reveal that. Um, but I do believe, um, like my other two co-founders feel the same, that the early journey is, is not easy. Usually I ask, how do you feel and how do you feel? So each of us actually share our individual opinions before we calibrate. Uh, so I think, yeah, the, the three of us will say that. Uh, but you're right, as a female leader, a female CEO, uh, maybe I'll be like, you know, being being more more out there to say that it, it is not easier. People who might see only from the news flash that founders get this, founders get that, launch this. I think that's like, the, the easy one on, on paper, um, but the, the real tough part, uh, I think is so much hidden. I think everyone, any founders, uh, I'm sure dealing with the same thing I'm dealing now. I think, I think that's uh, very commendable. I think despite the ecosystem being extremely nascent, um, and I think, uh, a lot of founders tend to feel that they have to maintain a certain persona of, Things are great, you know, like we're breaking, you know, boundaries. I think I genuinely believe that the ecosystem will benefit from having more vulnerable founders, not because they're weak. It's precisely because they have the self-awareness, the maturity and, and the security, the sense of security to, to say that, hey, you're not alone. But I think for more seasoned investors, that percentage of the equation is much lesser. Um, because we know that the industry has a lot of smokes and mirrors and we naturally apply a discount factor, right? Yeah. To different people yeah. <laughs> when, when all they say is how things are great, right? Yeah. Um, I think, I think that's one of the reasons why I really, really wanted to work with the team at Pintarnia. From the get go, I felt that there was a lot of integrity, uh, transparency in saying this is what we know and this is what we don't know. And I think the awareness of knowing what you don't know is extremely important. Uh, to even narrow down how we prioritize certain questions and things to fix in the business. 
Um, and so and so I feel, yeah, women do have the tendency to undersell from my interactions with, with female founders, uh, as with, as, uh, as compared to male founders. Um, however, I say, I'd say that, um, overselling as well, which can be a tendency is, is even more detrimental. Actually, uh, Nelly, while you're on that point, I wanted to follow on with the question. You know, you mentioned user feedback, and I recall you telling me some of the little stories that make your time at Pintronia so much more worthwhile. I was wondering if you could just share some of the happiest moments or fulfilling moments you've had so far. Yeah, sure. So the fulfilling moments I had um, initially, I think I shared this with Elise in the previous Fairtex uh, sessions. Uh, when we found out in one day, suddenly we got like around 4,000 free downloads, like, hey, what happened? What channel's actually driving it? And then we we realized that there's like one uh, happy job seeker who found a job in Pintarnia and then and then posted in TikTok organically and share it uh, across them. So she got a job in one of the event as a sales promotion girl. Uh, and uh, it was a, a big deal for her. Uh, and then she posted in TikTok sharing that, have you tried this platform? I got the job and this is like not, not fraud because there's so many fraudulent jobs out there. Uh, and it's quite easy to use. It's, uh, it's, um, yeah, it's very user friendly. I get this and, these are some other jobs that I saw and so she shared it. Uh, and then we got an instant um, one uh, 4,000 downloads on that uh, particular one day, organic for free. And then we look at like all the traffic came in because of these jobs that the guy, uh, the girl um, promoted. So we found out, hey, this got maybe like 100,000 viewers or something. So it felt like, hey, that's, that's a... Uh, amplified impact of someone's happiness. Uh, like, hey, there's like suddenly a big impact. Someone is feeling happy, and we felt that, you know, what we are trying to 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 prove that we are empowering people. It it works well. Um, then the, the the most recent story. Um, I think I took a taxi back home, uh, and then. Typically, I chat with the, the driver, ask around, like, mm. how did you get the jobs and all? And he said, like, yeah, I tried this app uh, called Pintarnia. <laughs> I was like, oh, really? Um, and then I asked, uh, did you apply there? Yeah, I applied. And then this side, I got the job. I got this job like a month ago. And I felt like very thrilled that suddenly, like what you're doing, uh, you're talking to the real customer. Yeah, you guys are making real impact. Can you tell me a little bit, you know, what do you envision as the impact that um, Pintania, you know, as a platform, all of you wish to have on the blue collar and grey collar community? So what we wish to happen with this community, actually, first, they are underserved on their financial uh, service needs. Uh, and the needs, it's actually start from earning money, right? Uh, it's not easy for them to get jobs. They often get defrauded. Um, so they apply for jobs, but at the end, when they show up at the interview, it's actually somebody else like asking for money or ransom or something like that. That's quite happened a lot. Um, so what we what we wish to help them is actually really making an economic impact for these segments. Uh, and if it's hard, sometimes it's going to be, or maybe like most of the time, it's going to be hard for them to get a job, but they can actually still earn something while they're waiting for a more steady job. So that's why we offer them more like a, a side gigs opportunities where they can participate in some 
uh, missions, a short missions to to do some some works. Let's say a growth hacking works, marketing work, showing for some like crowd um, events um, while they're getting settled. And once they get settled and they get their income from Pintarnya, they will trust Pintarnya brand to be the one who actually create an impact from their living. Uh, we want them to be also keep in touch in our platform and how they earn their salaries, uh, how they actually put their um, credits or savings with us. Because to begin with, let's say if they do like some short of missions, we're going to give it in, in Pintarnya wallet. Um, so that's the initial journey we set. But along the way, I think what Jessica mentioned, this is just the first stepping points about the, the wedge on multiple offerings. But if we know their profile, we know their progressive journey at the career, we know what's their kind of like financial habits um, look like um, and their profile, um, like we want to offer them further Offer them further would be like lots of um, financial service needs, be it, let's say, loan when in the time that needs that is more encouraging than the typical online lenders nowadays. Um, or we can also give them more like aspirationals. Um, maybe some we realize that they actually want to spend for uh, improving themselves, uh, paying for classes to actually um, you know, an alternative from formal educations, you go join an offline training, an online training, and at the end you get hired for higher paying jobs. Um, that kind of spend that we realize our users, and they're willing to spend. We, we, we tried and launched some classes. They do subscribe. So I think we believe there's so much more offerings we can do, but in a grand scheme of things of helping them, to actually earn their living. Uh, I think that's how we, we see success. Jessica, do you want to add on anything? No, I actually want to break the ice a little bit. I want to ask a, a silly question. Um, <laughs> Nelly, if if you were to pick a spirit animal to represent you, Nelly and Girish, what would those Whoa. animals be? <laughs> <laughs> spirit animals. Uh... Yeah. Like what, what does Girish remind you of? What does Henry remind you of? Um, okay. They'll be so angry at me. Uh, maybe... <laughs> That's the whole point, my dear. <laughs> uh, actually, maybe I'll start with Girish. Um, do you know iguana? Oh yeah, of course. <laughs> it's an iguana, really. <laughs> <laughs> do you know why? why? Do you know why? No. no. <laughs> because, like, from outside, it looks so scary, right? Uh, uh, iguana looks scary, but what does yeah, yeah, iguana does. eat? Fruits. Um, so actually, gentle, soft. I think mm -hmm. that's that's how I see Girish. Uh, from the uh -huh. outs outside, can be like someone opinionated and uh, very firm, very loud, um, and get angry easily, very impatient. <laughs> uh, but he is a very people person, uh, very soft, um, and considerate and and you know like yeah. many things i think that's that's garish henry uh ooh. <laughs> ooh, uh tiger oh wow see alpha Different. dominant right yes you will know like what what are his red buttons um so like 
waking up the sleeping tiger kind of thing that really happens with Henry. Uh, uh, but yeah. in the same time, you know what kind of strength you can get out of him. Uh, mm-hmm. Like when you really need to unleash the tiger, you unleash Henry. Uh, so I think that's mm-hmm. that's how I, I'm seeing them. Uh, wow, I don't know how. It's very insightful. Uh, I'm seeing. I'm seeing. I actually, I, I actually get what you mean. In between cats or dogs, um, in between, like why I feel cats, because I think uh, I'm quite lovable. <laughs> <laughs> uh, meaning, meaning, meaning that likable. Uh, I think mm. that's why I said I can be the balancing voice between the two, um, mm. and why I think it's a mix between cats and dogs because I know cat is not loyal, uh, but I do a loyal. <laughs> <laughs> like dog is more loyal, and and that's why I'm like uh, more like I'm I'm a very loyal person. Uh, so yeah, maybe that's that's me a combo doggy cat. <laughs> uh, I think it's interesting that you bring up iguana because at first when you say it I thought oh I just had the image of chameleon so I also thought maybe your co- you're going to say that your co-founder is so good with any situation you know can plan in no. and, and command you just scary on the outside and sit on the inside <laughs> <laughs> they're going to be so f- at me <laughs> you did mention a lot about how you stand for female empowerment it's been a a very uh, close to heart topic for a long time and also part and parcel of the reason why you started a salon. Um, but you also had several takeaways from it. Um, and I was just wondering, you know, how, how has that affected your lens about female empowerment? And, and, and if there are other women out there seeking to do the same, what would you advise them to do? Mm, yeah. So maybe my definition of female empowerment, I think came from my own experience when I felt that, uh, it's hard to strive um, at workplace, but then I always find that one or two lady boss who are kind enough to guide me the way uh, that when, um, you know, like that female has that, um, like more sensitive towards uh, other people's feelings. So when I felt I had some issues and then maybe she was the only person noticed in the room. Uh, I think this was at my BCG years and she came to me and asked uh, like, what's, how's it going? And, and offer me some advice. And I think I, I, I got that, that kind of like kind attentions when I was young and I felt that, Hey, I, I really need to just, you know, like pass this good, like kind uh, movement. Right. And then I felt that, uh, it should always, you know, like the women should actually bring like other women together and, and help them out because otherwise, you know, the chain will just like get lost in between. I think that's how I believed in. Uh, and that's why I kept seeing like a different, different role models of how uh, they've been helping me. And I just wanted to make sure that I'm doing that the same thing. So within my team, I wanted to make sure that I hire, let's say, a good female leaders as well. And when I do that, I mentor them well. And for example, let's say in in Traveloka, I kept telling everyone, whenever you hear someone wanted to stop working just because they just had their first child, like set up a meeting with me. I think that's like my, 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 what what I told to my team. So I think I, I've been having so many like one-on-ones trying to stop people from quitting uh, because I think that's the first risk. Uh, The moment you give up, 
And then you just like give up along the way. So you wanted to stop like that the first risk of living, uh, meaning that sacrificing your career for the full, like being a good mother or something like, no, it, you can actually balance it. You just need to make sure you, you define your, your limit, uh, and, and, and stretch yourself. I think that's how I'm, I'm saying it. Um, just be that, that I'm not saying like alpha female, but, Send the example, then yeah, more like being transparent about it, share it to your other peers, being um, vulnerable about it, uh, sharing my own experience, and then ask the same person once you actually build the success for her, ask her to do the same to others. I think that's how I've been more like defining what the women empowerment looks like. It is more softer than, you know, like, uh, being feminist out there and and sharing some quotes in LinkedIn, whatever. I think it is more like closer to the heart that really grooming and mentoring others and whoever you um, mentor with, even if they're no longer with you, actually still set up like uh, messaging, WhatsApping like by my ex team member who are female colleagues, like how's it going? Hey, now you're the only female leader there. Like, do you need anything? Like, talk to me. Um, I think that is more like the the continuity I'm I'm, I'm like committed to, uh, which I believe so many other women leaders also doing the same like me. Yeah, I think it's really powerful when women come together as a community and support each other. Why is it that the boys uh, behave you know uh, so well together like a boys club? You know, if only women support each other the way they do, we'll be much better off. And I'm so glad that you are, you know, using your time and energy to be nurturing and looking after, um, you know, your colleagues, your teammates. So I'm, I'm sure that will go a long way. Do you have a, do you have a primary identity that you th you think it's more pronounced than another? I think career is really what defines me. Uh, and that's also what said the foundations of, let's say, my uh, my family, my marriage. Even like right before um, I got married, I told my husband, like, if you're going to get married, this is how I see myself. Like, I'm quite ambitious. This is how I wanted to achieve. And that's like 24-year-old Nelly, right? No, 22, 22. Uh, oh, and then I damn. got my first kid when I was 24. Um, so I told him, I laid out the plan I, I I enjoy my career at BCG. I wanted to be at the top quintile, so I wanted to get sponsorship. I wanted to go MBA. Like if all of this like yes for you, uh, then okay, let's let's get married. But otherwise, you know, you're not my cup of tea. You know, wow. <laughs> yeah, you are my you are my hero. You know, um, I think at the same age, I wouldn't have thought yeah, of all this. Because yeah. I, you, otherwise, you know, you settle with someone and this is your partners and you get the different visions. He will have a different expectations of you. Uh, it's going to make it tougher. Uh, I knew what I wanted. I knew that I've always been a very ambitious woman. So it's better like laying out, making sure my foundation is clear, like undebatable. I'm going to be like <laughs> the, the leader out there. Yeah. Yeah, Nelly, thanks for sharing, you know, quite a bit with us. And I think before we, we formally end, I actually want to have a follow-on question because you mentioned about how you are ambitious. So how did this ambition come about? You know, has it got to do something with your childhood and how was your childhood like? 
Um, yeah, so my childhood, like, um, I grew up in a regular family in a very small neighborhood called um, Chilagon, a very small city. That uh, my mom was a teacher. Uh, my dad is a steel factory worker. And, but my mom was a very, like, smart, bright student. So she kept telling me that if you wanted to make a difference uh, in this life, you need to be a super like A student. Uh, then you can leave this small city and get chase your dream. That's like what my mom kept um, whispering in my ears. Uh, so that's why I grew up a very academical student, try to be like number one and, and so forth. And uh, got encouraged by my, my mom that you had to leave uh, the city. You need to actually chase to go to better school because there is no good school at uh, Chilagon to, to match your ambition. Um, so I think I just wanted to kept getting like, you know, um, A plus, like number one students. And, and that's why I left Chilagon to, to Bandung. So I think she kept like giving me an ambitious goal in terms of what's the definition of success in each stage. Um, and uh, that's also why when I was about to graduate, uh, she was the one who grew me and asked me questions like, okay, uh, if you want to build a career, define what is a good career for you. Um, and, and kind of like always kept giving me kind of like the right questions to anchor. Uh, that mm. I think that kind of training made me feel that, that maybe that's the ambitious little Nelly uh, setting out my, my own self, like what's the real goal at the right stage. Uh, and, and that's just becomes the habit, you know, uh, always like once you accomplish something, it's more like, this is quite easy now. That's great. And because this is in uh, honor of International Women's Day, I also want to say, you know, thank you to your mom for being such a good mentor to you over the years so that, you know, we can now have a uh, exciting startup, Bintania. <laughs> Shout out to Nelly's mom. <laughs> She's now Sarah. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> so Nelly, thank you so much for you know giving us your time and sharing so many interesting history stories and about yourself as well. We really enjoyed the conversation. So thanks, Jessica, as well, being my co-host on this podcast. You really bring a lively <laughs> mood to this uh, episode. So with this, you know, thank you so much. And then um, we'll see you for the next podcast on Hard Truth by Vertex. Thank you. We hope you've enjoyed the conversation as much as we did. Before we close, do remember to check out the podcast notes via the link in the episode description. We have for you the entire episode transcript, bite-sized summaries, and a wealth of other resources and content that we're sure you'll love. Also, if you enjoyed today's podcast, please do spread the word and give us a thumbs up. It would help others find the show and mean a lot to us. Thank you for joining us. This is Hot Truths by Vertex. See you next time.